Thanks for listening to the Pioneer Valley Church podcast. Our hope is that what you hear encourages your faith in the way of Jesus and inspires you to participate in what God is up to in the world. God bless. Good morning, everybody. All right, so I get to be on sermon duty today. Uh, Really happy to be. It's always a privilege and honor to share with you guys the church that has raised me over the past 30 years. I usually choke up right about here, but I got it. I got it this time. And um, we love you. I love you too. So, uh, yeah, so we're continuing in our series, For All. Uh, we're talking about the Spirit's a mission of creating cultural and generational harmony. And uh, based on the scripture in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, where it says, This promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all the Lord our God, all whom the Lord our God will call. Amen. So, Elias, a month ago or something, talks about, you know, speaking as a part of this series. And I'm pondering and, you know, praying and, okay, God, what do you, what do you want to be said here? And, you know, what came to my mind, I'm thinking about specifically that phrase, for all. And, and of course, we're talking about being inclusive and the amazing way that this gospel uh, has created a community, an inclusive community. But there was another scripture that came to my mind with that, those words, which was Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And, and, you know, my, and, and as I go to study it, I, I really found a lot of great relevant connection in, in ways that I think will help us to be this inclusive community that God wants. Amen. So, you know, God did this great thing. He created one nation out of the nations, this nation of a kingdom of priests, of people from every tribe and language and culture, every station of life. And you and I, we get to be invited to it. And it's really, really incredible. It's beautiful. However, at the ground level, that comes with some challenges, right? Mm-hmm. The, the truth is, from day to day, hour to hour, this, this can come with challenges. And so I was thinking here about many things in life that are beautiful, but also come with challenges. Can you think of some examples? What we got here? Children? Parenting? Winter. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Marriage? Roses. Ah, yeah. Yeah, all these children, parenting, marriage, roses, winter. How about all of them? How about all of them? How about that we do not have an experience in this life that is beautiful that does not have challenges? So when we think about all these things, you know, there's this, you know, it's really about life because life is, is what presents the challenge, learning how to get through it. Um, I think about Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, where it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity on the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So here we are in this beautiful, diverse community, complete with challenges. But you know what? Um, It's not new. It's very consistent. The scriptures address this all the time. All the church has always had challenges and um, and always things to celebrate, too. You know, um, at the end of the day, uh, I really believe um, 
that on this journey of life, the thing that uh, carries us through the most is grace, as has been talked about. That you know, God really is that that wife whisperer, isn't he? <laughs> that that for all of us that that invites us into this experience. But of all the beautiful experiences in life, do you know that even grace, even grace, has its challenges. What what would be the challenge of grace? The Bible talks about it all the time. You know, grace is this incredible subjective experience. The fact that a God sees me, the God that created the universe, who spoke billions of stars into existence, he sees me, he knows me, he loves me, he pursues me, he died for me. Takes my breath away every time I remember, but you know what the challenge is, the hazard is, is that we forget. Yeah. I forget. I'm gonna, we're gonna walk out the door today, we're gonna forget. I may not leave the room today before I forget. And this is why we need to gather, we need to, we need to remind each other through singing, through the preaching of the word, we need to break bread together, we need to be in fellowship with one another. We need to read our Bible every day because we forget. And we can tell when we've forgotten, we start to get entitled. We sin and we mistreat each other. Those are two cardinal signs that the grace of God, we're, we're losing touch with it. So I think about, for example, the parable of the unmerciful servant, the scandal of that, why God was so angry is because he had just forgiven this servant of $10 million debt, and then he turns around and chokes somebody for two, yep. right? And God gets very upset about that. So God is very intentional uh, many ways and many times in the, in the scriptures of, of reminding us. So when you think about the early church in places like Acts and Romans and Corinthians and Galatians, there's all kinds of examples of the church losing touch and God trying to bring them back in touch with the grace of God. They were mistreating each other at one, in one way or another. And, and the Holy Spirit needed to remind them on a supernatural level of what they had experienced, of the gift that they had received. Often this tension was between the Jewish church and the Gentile church, which was entering it. And so today specifically, I want to look at the book of Romans and that particular tension and what it can teach us about being a community for all. So you can turn there in Romans. Uh, You know, it's a really interesting approach that Paul took um, that we're going to look at here in a second. What he did, essentially, the spirit did is he really leveled the ground, right, to reminded us of what we all have in common. There's something that no matter where you come from, no matter what your childhood is like, no matter what your background is, what culture, what language, what creed, it's a disease that we've all been infected with, and there's only one cure. Amen. For this installment of our For All series, we're going to we're going to read the book of Romans here a little bit together. The title of today's message is For All Have Sinned, mm-hmm. Finding Humility Through Wrath and Grace. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we turn our attention to you and your word, and we pray that in your mercy you would remind us, that you would connect us with this amazing grace that you've given us, Father. God, we know that it brings great clarity when we can be connected And I pray that you would use this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So first point, let me clear my throat. 
All right. What we're going to look at, what we're going to look at is uh, the introduction to the book of Romans. And it's been alluded to, referenced before, that uh, there was a conflict going on because somewhere between about 41 and 53 AD, Jewish Christians were expelled from Rome by the Emperor Claudius. Roman Gentile converts who had come to faith continued operating as the church. They uh, incorporated their own culture. And, um, you know, for the most part, they were converted pagans and had no real history with the law and the traditions of Moses. So the Jewish Christians returned to a church that was very different than the one that they had left, one that was very much influenced by the Gentile culture. And many of the things that had been established at that point, the, the Jewish Christians found offensive, if not out and out sinful. And so this created a tension as they felt like their voice uh, should be elevated. So now Paul is trying to insert his apostolic authority in order to quell this argument, in order to, to, to bring it to rest. And, and like I said, he takes a different approach because typically he had had a personal relationship, had spent time with and established a church, whether it was Thessalonica or Galatians or, or, or Corinthians, and therefore could be very direct. He would say things like, expel the immoral brother or you foolish Galatians. But as we're about to read about, he actually had not physically been to this church. So the approach that he takes is he uses theology, systematic theology. He schools the church about the nature of God and the gospel. And, um, and, and through that, really tries to address what really was essentially entitlement. People were feeling a sense of entitlement. Um, and really, aren't conflicts often about that? You know, when I think about, you know, you know marriage or whatever, it's, I deserve this. Don't you know how hard I work? Don't you know where, blah, 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 blah? So it's one of those arguments. And he is going to take care of, address their sense of entitlement. You know, they felt entitled, the Jews felt entitled because, you know, of their history, their, their, the law, their, their heritage, what have you, God's chosen people. But now the Gentiles were also the numerical uh, uh, a majority. But, but, you know, we're all saved by grace. So let's look, uh, let's look together in Romans chapter 1. I want to ask you to please read with me. So we're going to start it down in verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness of how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. I pray that now, at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you, may be, you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented uh, from doing so until now, in order that I might have the harvest among you, just as I've had among other Gentiles. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, uh, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. 
The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the, go the godlessness and wickedness of human beings who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the, the, in the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual immorality, for degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Sheesh. <laughs> Sheesh, Paul, did you feel that? Did you feel that drop off a cliff? He, he comes, he goes from, he goes from, hey guys, great to meet you. I can't wait to come and see you. Isn't this gospel great? To wrath, <laughs> to wrath, the wrath of God being revealed. And, and you think, what, what's that all about? And, and, and picture this, as we are reading it, we had the benefit of a subtitle telling us that it was coming. When they heard it, they wouldn't have been reading it. They would have been listening to the letter like we just did, and then all of a sudden be like, wait, what? what? <laughs> Go from nice to see you gospel to wrath? What? What is this? What is this? Let's continue. 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that... They, so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Why is Paul doing this? Why is he laying in like this? It's clear to me that he is trying to help them to become conscious of their own sin. He, and, and mind you, a lot of this stuff, it, it was pagan practices, worshiping objects and what have you. But not all of it. Not all of it. Look at, uh, you know, verse 21. He said, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him. Verse 28, they say, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over. Verse 32, it says, although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they only could. Too. So this was, he was spraying the room. <laughs> he was spraying the room. There was nobody that misses this list. There was nobody that shouldn't have seen themselves on this list. And I'm sure at the beginning of it, there was some head nodding going on. Yeah, Paul, tell them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. And maybe even among us, we could be, we could do that. We could be head nodding a little bit about practices in the world. But he's reminding them that, listen, you had been an object of wrath. So, 
you know, it's funny. I think often we could maybe even think that this is uh, a mistake to think about wrath, right? It's not popular. It's not, it's not usually what you hear. You hear about the grace of God almost by itself. All you hear is that you're forgiven. But the question is, is being forgiven of what? And protected from what? It matters. For example, over in Ephesians, he said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the desires of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, who God, who is rich in mercy, um, uh, saved us. Also over in Titus, remind people to be subject to rulers and authority, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle toward everyone. At one time, we too were foolish. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, uh, having this hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. He says to Titus, and I want you to stress these things. So that those who have trusted God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These are excellent and profitable for everyone. We, We need to remember that wrath. I, you know... It was so beautiful last night celebrating the Heatons, and uh, you know Elise has shared something that I was I, I said to Elias. That's exactly what I'm trying to talk about tomorrow. He, Elise had shared about how Kathy uh, remains so conscious of who she is without God, what she was like before uh, she she became a Christian, forty something years later, forty something years later, and you do you hear the scriptures doing the same thing? reminding us that we too, and here's the, I think the tragedy of this, and even that Roman scripture, is we use it on the world. <laughs> we, act, we act like those scriptures were written for people out there, to people out there, but there's none of these letters that, that applies to. All of them, all of those I-A-N-S letters are written to us. They're written to the church so that we can be reminded of how sinful we are. Not they, we are. Right? So going back to, uh, to Romans, check this out. Oh, actually, before we go over there, Luke chapter 18, parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like one other people, robbers, 
evildoers, uh, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He could not look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see this comparison thing that we get into, right? right? This comparison thing, whether we see ourselves as more or less, it's just pride. It's just pride. And listen, we all get tempted with it. We all feel like we want to judge. You know, but it's a sign, see it as a sign that you are losing touch with God's grace. See see it when you start looking at, when you start feeling a little hierarchy, at least I'm not like this tax collector, at least I do this, at least I have this responsibility, at least I give this much, at least I've been to church this often, at least, you know, I believe in this and vote this way and blah, 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 Right. right? As soon as we start doing that, we're no longer relying on God's grace. We're relying on our status. We're creating our own hierarchy. And this is what was happening in the Roman church. The Jews were were feeling entitled. We're feeling like they had a greater status based on their traditions and their heritage. And mind you, Paul's going to go on and tell them it's not useless. You know, it's okay to to remember that, you know, the patriarchs came from you and the laws came from you and, and you've got a heritage. And those are beautiful things. It's just not what you rely on. It's just not what's going to get you into heaven, and it doesn't give you a distinguished status in God's kingdom. So back to chapter 2 of Romans. I I want you to notice the shift in Paul's pronouns. He goes from they to you. Verse 1, you, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you pass judgment, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for God, the riches of God's kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. He changed from they to you. Here they are judging one another for whatever reason, forgetting that they will be judged themselves. They become worried so much about having the best seat in the house that they they, they lost sight of the blessing it was to have a seat at all. It was a blessing that they had a seat in the house at all. And Again, these, the scriptures, we can use them uh, as, as a measuring stick for other people. Uh, and, and listen, and they are useful for helping someone who wants to learn how to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like. But when it comes to a line for judgment, we are to apply them to ourselves. Right. Um, so it's easy to compare ourselves to someone you feel isn't doing as well as you and, and to feel pride. Uh, you can assign yourself a certain status based on attendance record, tithing, etc. And uh, when we do that, we're losing touch with God's grace. Okay. I want to also call attention to the idea that judgment, he talks about it as something to come. I think sometimes we can forget that, that with the, the death of Jesus 
and his blood covering us, it doesn't mean that the judgment and the wrath disappeared. It means that we'll be covered, right? It, there's a difference. It's still coming. And so, uh, for example, and it's really important to, to know that because, because that, that is going to, that's good. I, who knows what that experience is going to be like, but it's important for us to, to remember that, that it's still coming. So, for example, here in 2 Peter, he says it very clearly, um, chapter 3, verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I mean, who knows what that's going to be like? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think any of us are going to be kind of bold and standing up. I know, I know how I react when there's a loud sound in the next room. <laughs> right? What in the world would it be like for the heavens to be rolled back and, and elements disappearing and, and, and all of this stuff? You can meet me on the floor. I will be on my face. I will, I will be like, I hope this thing works. <laughs> right? And, but, there, but there's something. This is Peter now commending this. And instructing this, that, that we be humble and remember that we will stand before the Almighty. And according to his promises, though, it's going to be the transition to a new heaven and a new earth. Yep. You know, it's funny. I remember, I remember coming around. I was, uh, I was uh, 19 when someone reached out to me. I'd just come back from the Army. And uh, some of you know the story. I went to a job interview at hospital at Brockton Hospital. And, and I went to the cafeteria because I was a little early, and, and um, you know, I just sat at a table where this woman was sitting by herself, and, and she, you were chatting about her daughter being sick, and I'm here for an interview. And as I get up to leave, she pulls out a, a card and says, hey, I want to invite you to my church, right? And it just so happened that because of experiences that I had a little early in the Army, I was looking for a church. I was looking for a community, and, and, and I had a certain image in my mind. The woman who invited me was black, and I, so I assumed this was a black church, and I had come to church, and, and uh, you know, it wasn't. It was. It was different. It wasn't that. But I remember, though, uh, you know, Pete, uh, you know, some of you met before. He, I had him here for a, a service. Um, you know, he, he reached out to me, and honestly, I was dodging him for a while. He was calling me, and I was telling mom, tell him I'm not home, tell him I'm not home. And then he said, you want to come play? I picked up, this before call ID, I picked up on a time where, where it was him. And he's like, you want to go play basketball at the Bridgewater Y? I'm like, oh, oh, oh all right, I, I can do that. I can do that. And then I go to play basketball with him. And now I had a different experience with Pete. I, now, now I started to see that there was something about him that I thought that I needed. Yep. Right? I was looking for something. Yep. 
And then I remember we get into studying and we get to a point that, you know, I, you know I'm, I, I say I'm ready to be baptized, but in my mind what that really meant is this is an all right group. I can place my membership here, that I, I wanted to be a part of this community, which isn't a bad thing. But Jeff and Pete, they share with me, you know, I, I think you're missing something. I think, I think there's something that you're not getting here. I, I'm, that whole cut to the heart thing in Acts 2.36, you're not, you're not quite getting this. And I shrug my shoulders. I'm like, okay, maybe I just got to wait, wait longer. I don't know. I, I, really, I really thought in my mind that the church was getting a really nice guy. You know? You know, you know I thought reasonably funny. You know, kind of, you know, I thought I could add a lot to this group, you know? I, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, and, 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 and I, couldn't, I couldn't get past myself to see my sin, to see my sin. I'm so grateful that, you know, I took some time and prayed and fasted and tried to understand what they were talking about. And then it hit me. I crucified him. It was me. I, literally, I was in my room and I pictured myself as a Roman soldier on execution detail. I pictured myself holding his arm down, lifting up a hammer, and driving the nail in, and then I got it. And then I got it. Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Guys, the wrath didn't disappear. It was redirected. It was redirected. The, the punishment that I earned, that you earned, that I deserved, that you deserved, not only did we not deserve a seat in the kingdom, we deserved a wrath. That is coming. And, and we were spared from that, and, and God, because his justice had to be satisfied somewhere, had to direct it somewhere, and that was to Jesus instead of you. I know you know this, but we all need to remember this. We all need to be reminded of this. This is what has us here, because sometimes we get a little off target. Sometimes we value our status a little too much. Sometimes we value our gifts a little too much. So this is what's going to help us to be a community for all guys. Yeah. Being, being mindful of what we deserve. Being mindful of the wrath, the judgment that is coming. Yeah. That God's justice had to be satisfied. Instead of me and instead of you, he put it on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Romans 3. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. The righteousness, this righteousness has been given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just to the one who justifies uh, those who have faith in Jesus. Guys, um, what we have here is a gift. What we have here is a gift. What we've been given is a gift. And, and if we see it as a gift and not an entitlement, then we can be generous with it. Then we can share it with other people. It's not ours. We are stewarding something that was given to us. So, amen. I pray that we can remember that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we've all been redeemed uh, by him. Thank you, guys. Amen.